Tasha. Hey, Courtney. What do you call a group of crows when they're camping? I don't know. What? Why, it's a murder with intent. <laughs> I get it because they're in a tent and it's they're a murder. In they're camping. It's spoop hour. paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two halloweenies this is sasha this is courtney we're just vibing on a sunday night yeah easy like sunday evening evening. yeah (laughs) easy like sunday evening which is good this is this is gonna be a vibe for sure and hopefully you guys will like so as always you can find us on social media at spoop hour on twitter and instagram and you can email us at spoop hour at gmail.com so if you're like fuck this episode i hate it (laughs) don't tell us that (laughs) Well, a spooky thing just happened to me. I plugged my laptop in because my battery is medium low. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, everything went quiet. And I was like, uh-oh. uh-oh. So I could see Sasha, like, saying something probably about where you can find us on the internet. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. And then, It's a you mystery. Know, You'll find out when you're listening to this episode, Courtney. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. And it's just you being like, Courtney fucking sucks. No. But <laughs> no. It, it, just, it was me saying, if you hate this episode, don't tell us. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, if you hate this episode, join our Patreon at the $7 tier and you can, and you can insult more us. more content. Yeah, you can insult us and get more content. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no. Let's make it for the $15 tier. Oh, yeah. You can insult us and we'll just take it. Yeah. For $15 a month. Speaking of our Patreon, the other day, I guess like Gamescom, which is a German gaming like E3 event. Sure. Happened last week and there was this new game coming out from Marvel and I guess XCOM called Midnight Suns. And it's X-Men and like other Marvel characters and the daughter of Lilith <laughs> as sure. an original character. And I had this like brief moment of panic where t- Twilight has traumatized me. So if I see the phrase Midnight Sun anywhere, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so when there was this video game <laughs> called Midnight Suns, I was like, Courtney, no. Yeah. <laughs> and it was. You messaged me that. And then I realized that like my possible worst nightmare is if somehow Twilight entered the MCU, because as we all know, the MCU movies are going to be eternal. They're never going to end. Right. So if Twilight somehow gets, like, absorbed into that, then <laughs> my suffering with Twilight will never end. It because will never it will just, end. It'll just keep happening, and I just, I'm yeah. not emotionally prepared for that. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this at Disney or Marvel or whatever, you stay the fuck away from Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> just don't Although, do it. Although, is... Was Twilight released, distributed by... No, it wasn't. It wasn't Fox, right? Because it's on... I don't it's know. On Netflix, it's on Netflix not now. Disney yeah. Plus, so... Okay. Yeah, I'm going to look up Summit Entertainment. Oh, Summit, yeah. They're not affiliated yeah. with Disney Plus. God damn. Running time Good. accumulated of all five movies is 607 minutes. 
That's a lot of minutes. <sighs> That's compared a lot to of minutes. Also, like the number of pages in the entire series, but we're not going to yeah. talk about that. That's on Patreon. That's on Patreon. If you want to hear our thoughts about Twilight yeah. and you want to hear about the ghost in my house, because I just discovered there's more than one. That was a spooky thing that happened to me this week. Yeah. So okay, yeah. Spooky, spooky thing so far. You've discovered a new ghost in your house. I was yep. startled by a video game. Yep. <laughs> Anything Very else? Very spooky. <laughs> Any other spooky things happen to you this week? Yes. So I don't know if I've mentioned before. But I've been watching a lot of America's Next Top Model, like a lot, because that's just the emotional place I'm in right now at this point. Yeah. I'm not really leaving my house. So at, I am now on cycle 17, which means I have watched cycles 1 through 16, because 1 through 14 are on Amazon, and then all the cycles up to like 22, I think, are on Hulu. Oh my God. And those happen to be streaming services I have. So I was like, well, I'm just going to do this, I guess. So I'm on cycle 17. In cycle 16, I was watching the clip show this morning, which I very seldom do. I don't usually watch the clip show. I like mainstream drama that is low stakes. I don't like clip shows because usually they're boring. But one of the contestants in like an unreleased scene whips out a crystal on a chain and is like, all right, let's check our chakras. And I was like, oh my God, does America's Next Top Model know about my very specific interests? (laughs) So it was like, I wished it into being because I was working on my Spoop Hour research and then that was happening. And I was like, that model actually listens to Spoop Hour. She does. She was, she went on here, ready for like the supreme crossover of all of our topics so far. (laughs) She had a guest spot on a Disney Channel original show. Oh. See? It all comes comes full circle. (laughs) What about you? Did anything else spooky happen to you this week other than Marvel? Scary? Yeah. I'm back at school. (laughs) Five days a week in person. But it it was the spookiest thing of all is that it was okay. That's good. Uh, I think the spooky, like, you and I, this is probably going to be at the end of the episode when we were talking about how old we are. We're very old. And that, like, I saw family and they forgot, like, how old we actually are because it's been so long in the pandemic that we're just, like, frozen in time. Mm -hmm. My seniors, the last time they were in a normal school was 10th grade. So I have 17-year-old 10th graders. Oh, my God. Which is, they're very aware of it. They're very aware that they're 17-year-old 10th graders. But it was, (laughs) I think that was the spookiest thing of all, was, like, looking. Yeah. Meet, meeting kids who look so different from their yearbook photos, but still mm-hmm. have the same personality. Yeah, like, I'm thinking about what, when I went from, like, 10th t- grade Courtney to senior year Courtney, were pretty different people. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I had other people around me, and yeah. I evolved and all of that, but they were frozen in time. They were frozen in time. So that's the spookiest thing oh. of all, is, like, we went, yeah, back, that's we back, went back in time. The other yeah. thing is, and it's still kind of video game related, I started playing the Ghost of Tsushima DLC. <laughs> and, you know, Ghost of Tsushima has the word ghost in the title. It was extremely spooky. It was the original game wasn't that spooky. It was just about like a samurai like kind of contending with his beliefs and, you know, evolving out of, you know, the the the, you know, samurai code, right? Right. The DLC is scary. It's or, is like, it really? it's like spooky. Did they cram all the ghosts into the all, DLC? All of the spooky shit is happening in the DLC. There's like shamans. There's like this like leader of the shamans who makes you drink this like hallucinogenic poison. And Ooh. so like every so often, I'll just be like walking through a field, and all of a sudden the screen like goes boom and turns purple <laughs> and like w- like wobbly. And it's like this woman it's in your head, and you're like, yeah, you're basically tripping balls. And so like. <laughs> 
you don't know when you're going to trip balls. And yeah. so I'm playing this. I haven't been feeling well today or like this weekend. And it's uh, it's spooky. <laughs> oh, but does DLC stand for dude legit creepy? Dude legit creepy. Ghost dude legit creepy. Ghost of Tsushima dude legit creepy. I do. Because they crammed all their spooky content in it. You can pet the cats in the game. Good. And you can Good. pet the monkeys and... I don't love monkeys, but that's fine. It's the, you know, the little onsen monkeys in Japan oh, with the little red the faces? Little, they look like little grumpy old men. Yeah, grumpy old men. Yeah, you can yeah. pet those monkeys. In okay, the base game, you can I pet like. foxes. I know I haven't Perfect. discovered all the pettable animals yet, because in the trailer, there were other pettable animals. But, Aww. yeah, but basically, you're, like, also having to, like, relive the ghosts of your past, and it's just, like... Sure. What could but, be spookier? Yeah. And there's, like, really ominous music, and I'm like, man, I'm trying to, like, I really love this game, but I'm also, like, trying to enjoy my weekend, and I'm just, like, scared and bummed out, (laughs) so. I came out to have a good time, and honestly, I'm feeling so attacked right now. Can we bring that meme back? Right? I feel like... 2021 heading into fall we're still in a pandemic i came out to have a good time and honestly i'm feeling so attacked right now is extremely the mood yeah that was a good meme time i think if i ever do end up going to grad school i talked for a long time about how my graduate thesis would be on like progressive themes in rap and r&b music Mm -hmm. because yeah by usher is about consent (laughs) but i think if i were to go back now it would be on like the timeline of history as told by memes mm. and how it reflects like modern Dadaism in response to our chaotic world. We respond to things through strange memes like yeah. the large boulder the size of a small boulder and you know when it was uh, thirty to what was it thirty to fifty feral, feral hogs, hogs or yeah. when I guess like in terms of like stuff people say right the yeah. sometimes it be like that and sometimes like that it be right yeah. it, it do be like it that it do be I mean, like that yeah yeah um, yeah stuff like that yeah that would be what i would do my yeah. thesis on the yeah, yeah. So. using yeah dadaist absurdist humor mm-hmm. to cope with societal trauma <laughs> exactly dadaist communication mm-hmm. to deal with sort of this yeah like cross-cultural trauma you know there's like those instagram accounts that are called stuff like memes to share with my psychiatrist yeah right because you look or at a like, meme and you're like same but yeah, what does I'm it mean an, <laughs> i'm such an old lady my preferred way to consume tiktoks is through watching tiktok accumulations on youtube yeah reposted and those are all yeah. like tiktoks i showed to my therapist yeah. and like stuff like that it's like that yeah, yeah. So it's like, what makes anyway. us look at a piece of media and go same and then same. go cry, you know? Yeah. And it, 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 particularly for millennials and Gen Z, it'll be like, you know, it's a gif of like something falling over and then you're like, Haha, same. Yeah. Or, and we all know what it means. One of my students last year sent me that, did, did you, did you do anything, you know, productive today? It's like, no. It's like, well, did you at least rest and relax today? It's like, oh, somehow also, also no. no. And then just the smiley face at the end, but you just see, like, pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she said that to me. She's like, I think this speaks for all of us, <laughs> including you. Yes, I think that's correct. I was like, thank you for including your teacher in this, because also, yes. yes. <laughs> I came out to have a good time. And, and honestly, honestly, I'm, I'm feeling, feeling so attacked right so now. So attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> that happened, I had a moment like that, too. Last year when I had shingles on my face, Mm -hmm. like right after I got diagnosed, like within two weeks of me getting diagnosed with shingles on my face, my Jeopardy page a day calendar had a clue that was like the herpes zoster virus, better known as this, is a skin condition that's extremely contagious. And I was like, shingles. I, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? I came out to have a good time, Jeopardy calendar. <laughs> I'm, and supposed I'm feeling to es- so attacked. 
It's like whenever I want like my media to be escapist, mm-hmm. and then it makes me feel things or makes me yeah, acknowledge like, something. I'm like, no, this is not why I came here. I came here to escape. This is why I've been watching America's Next Top mm-hmm. Model because watching something that was filmed in like 2005, watching a bunch of people try to be 2005 trendy, is very comforting in 2021. Yeah. Where it's it like it's all hats you. and scarves. It can't hurt me. Mm-mm. They're wearing a vest over a tiny crop top button down. I love it. Let's go. Yeah. This is fine. The tiny vest, or sorry, the, the vest over the tiny crop top button down will not hurt you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Sasha? <laughs> Speaking of things that can hurt you, we're talking about ghost stories. We're going to be kidding. telling the you- ghost stories will not hurt you. At least the ones I picked will not hurt you. The ones I picked, I tried to go on the more spooky side because I had a feeling you were going to go like softer. So I was yeah. like, I'll do spooky ones. And then the last one I have is like the most spoop hour campfire story Ooh. I have ever seen. Okay. So what I discovered, which is something that I did. Did not know. Mm-hmm. A lot of campfire stories are like long rhyming poems. Oh. Which clearly stems from our history of having like bards and shit yeah. be our official storytellers, mm-hmm. where there's, you know, scansion and rhymes and shit. Because scansion, I was good like, pull. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I thought all the way back to my like early English literature gen ed. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, stuff like that where it's like, when I think of campfire stories, I think of, like, I'm at a camp with, like, my mom and some Girl Scouts, mm-hmm. and we're toasting marshmallows, and it's, like, 7.30, but it feels scary, and my mom is saying, who stole my golden arm? And then she grabs somebody and goes, was it you? And, then, and it's, ah, spooky. Yeah. Like, that's what, that's what I think when I think campfire mm-hmm. stories. I don't think of, like, long rhyming poetry, but right. this long rhyming poem was actually legit a little bit spooky, so. That, sorry, not to belabor Ghost of Tsushima, nope. but I just remember, like, even... In the main campaign of the game, there's, like, a storyteller who has, you know, his little musical instrument, and he Mm -hmm. tells you something, and the screen goes from just, like, normal video game stuff to, like, brush paintings, and, Mm -hmm. like, goes through it, and most of them are spooky, and I was like, man, I could just have a Ghost of Tsushima episode of this and just tell you guys about all the scary shit in that game. Sure, why not? But it's, again, like, this, like, musical bard-type person who's got people around a campfire and is telling them these stories about Oni and, you know, other ghosts and spirits and stuff like that. And, yeah, that's that's the vibe. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, so we're telling each other campfire stories in part because Sasha started school this week, so we needed a, kind of a low-key episode, and also because, you know, we're, we're approaching, if you're in the hemisphere we're in, we're approaching the end of summer. Mm-hmm. It's about to officially be spooky season Hell when you're yeah. listening to this. Officially, spooky season starts tomorrow. September you heard it here 1st. first, folks. Yeah. yeah, but, like, everything's miserable, so if you've oh, already yeah. started spooky season, more power to you. Yeah. It's just September 1st is when I'm going to start wearing my spooky dresses. Yeah. Pumpkin so spice latte go. is already out. Oh, that's yeah, another spooky so. thing. My husband keeps predicting the launch. Of, he has an al- not an algorithm, but like figured out like it just yeah. moves up a day every year. Yeah, and he's figured out like okay, yeah. it moves up a couple days. I predict this year it's gonna yeah. be on this day, probably this day because they like Tuesday. And he, and he was keeps 100% getting it right. And, but yeah, so. it's pumpkin spice season. Ergo, it's spooky season. He's a soothsayer, a but specifically for pumpkin a spice sayer. Spice sayer. A spice sayer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so. That was, like, peak campfire Mm -hmm. story time, especially as, you know, as we move into fall, the nights are going to get a little colder. You're more likely to, if you're spending time outdoors, light a fire, cozy up around Mm -hmm. it. So these are just going to be some stories that you can swap out to impress all your buddies that you're having an outdoor hang with because you're still observing social distancing practices. So do you want me to kick things off with the Broomtown curse? Hell yeah. Okay. So the way this story was written, all of my stories, by the way, come from... 
Bustle and Care.com, PoetryFoundation.org, CampingWithGus.com, and BoyScoutTrail.com. So this story specifically was written to be, like, told when you are at a campfire. This is, like, peak, you're at Girl Scout camp, and somebody's mom is telling a story. So for the purposes of this story, Sasha, we are around a campfire in the same physical location, and that physical location is the woods. Yeah, okay. Do we have marshmallows? Yes. Thank you. You can't have any more, though, because you've already had seven, and I told your mom I wouldn't give you too much sugar. Oh, okay. Fine, you can have one more. Don't tell her I told you. (laughs) Okay. You know, Sasha, out here in the DC slash Nova woods where we definitely are right now, we're surrounded by Civil War historical sites. Rumor has it that right near where we are camping for real, definitely in real life at the time of me telling you this story, there was a settlement deep in the woods. There's a local who only goes by the name Pop who will tell you everything about it, especially the spooky legend that surrounds it. Whenever Pop and his grandfather used to hike in the woods, all they ever found were rotten logs, pieces of black cast iron kettles, and shadows of Haven, now better known as Broomtown. Broomtown was formed around 1850, so long ago that it doesn't even show up on maps. The forest reclaimed the roads, one of which may have even run through this very campsite where we are. (laughs) Other than Pop, very few people remember Broomtown. As Pop says, Broomtown was placed for defensive reasons and had tall log walls around it like a fort. But why did they emphasize defense so much when they were already set so far back in the woods? Because the residents of Broomtown, Sasha, Mm. were suspected to be witches. Oh. Oh my god. They fled their original homes and villages to avoid persecution and execution. This is why its original name was Haven. But because of its reputation for witchy business, the colloquial Broomtown made sense for the locals. People hundreds of miles away knew to steer clear of Broomtown, even if they didn't know exactly where it was. Common sayings at the time included... He'd better head to Broomtown if a man got in trouble with his wife, or if a lady was acting outside of societal norms. If she's not careful, she'll end up in Broomtown. And people would even threaten their misbehaving children with a one-way ticket to Broomtown. So even though Broomtown was secretive, everyone seemingly knew about it, and they knew it to be a place of magic, spells, and curses. So where did Broomtown go? Sometime during the Civil War, a troop of soldiers attacked and destroyed Broomtown and killed every resident. No one knows if it was the North or South who took out Broomtown. The only thing that was found was an abandoned diary. The diary was signed Captain John Bell, but no one knows if it's the John Bell associated with the Union or the Confederate garbage John Bell. (laughs) And the diary only had a few entries. Here's what it said. Saturday. While on reconnaissance, discovered small fortified position in small valley, unable to tell a friend or foe. From tall tree, my spotter can see people moving behind walls. The response to my questions shouted at the people behind the walls is one of rebuke. We are told to go away. In desperate need of food and supplies, have determined activities suspicious and possibly hostile. We'll attack at dawn tomorrow. We'll use last of dynamite to blow main gates. (coughs) Sunday noon. Action successful. Battle was short, all fought against us, but our training proved out in the end. Two dead, three wounded from unit, wounded able to move. 
Must move out soon. Men restless, superstitions running wild in unit. Many defenders yelled curses as they fought and spoke in unknown language. <coughs> Sunday night. Camp set up one mile south of previous position. Monday morning. Our position harassed by assassins. Two dead. Wailing and screams occur just before attack. Our cook claims must be banshees. <coughs> Tuesday morning. Harassed overnight. Four dead. I'm starting to believe in the banshees. And that was it for the diary. That was the final entry. Nothing much came of this until 1910, when the story continues with the Bell brothers, Alfred and Thomas. They stayed near where we are at a fancy hotel called the Manor House. Their very first night in the hotel, there was a terrible commotion. Other guests reported wailing and screams coming from somewhere in the hotel at 2 a.m. After about 20 minutes, the screaming stopped, but the winds picked up outside. Some guests said it sounded like demons wailing. Mm. Then the lights went out and the door shook like someone, or something, was trying to get in. When things finally calmed down hours later, someone thought to check on the Bell Brothers, only to find that they were both mysteriously dead. There were no obvious wounds other than the blood from where one brother had bitten off his own tongue. <coughs> Their faces were frozen in horror, with eyes wide and pupils rolled back. Their hands were both raised in front of them as if they were trying to ward something off. When the Bell Brothers' cousin came to collect their bodies, he stayed overnight in the Manor Hotel as well. And when the clock struck eleven, Cousin Bell retired to his room. He was sharing it with a traveling salesman he met on the road. And after a coin flip to determine who got the bed, Cousin Bell set up shop on the floor. When midnight came, Cousin Bell started crying out in his sleep, waking the salesman. From the coals in the fire, the salesman could see Cousin Bell thrash when suddenly he yelled and sat straight up. The salesman started to say something, but then a terrible screech rang through the room. Outside the window, severe winds kicked up, rocking the shutters. The salesman got so scared, he hid under the covers, because as we all know, if you're under the covers, they can't, they can't get, get you. you. Can't get you from under the covers. Them's the rules. And when he peeked out from under the blanket, he saw a huge black shadow emerge from the center of the room. Mm. The shadow looked as though hundreds of heads were strung together, heads of men, women, and children, with red flashing eyes from within a writhing black mass that shrieked. Cousin Bell had crawled to a corner, sobbing as the mass moved towards him, oozing blood. The shadow eventually overtook Cousin Bell completely. And then, everything stopped. In the eerie quiet that followed, the salesman stayed hidden under the blanket, and some time passed before he peeked out again. When he did... The only sign that anything was amiss was Cousin Belle's body. Face frozen in horror, eyes rolled back, and clearly dead, just like the Bell brothers. <clears throat> the salesman ran screaming out of the room. Word traveled fast about what had happened, and it dramatically impacted business at the hotel. Then one day, a few years later, an old woman showed up at the hotel. When people on the street were shocked and asked if she intended to stay at the hotel, she said, Sure. I ain't related to them that be cursed. And then the woman told them what really happened at Broomtown. When the massacre was done and every town resident had been killed, the soldiers looked around at what they had just destroyed. They found big iron cauldrons, brooms on every house step, and a black cape in nearly every closet. 
The soldiers became terrified because they realized they may have just killed a town full of witches. Uh. To counteract this fear, Captain John Bell told his men that if they cut off the heads of the witches and buried them separately from the bodies, the dead souls would never find them. And so that's what the men did. But Bell was wrong. Uh. Now, if anyone who participated in that raid or any of their relatives comes within 10 miles of Broomtown, the witches come to take their revenge. But only the heads can move in the black shadow of their curse, while the headless bodies follow, wildly searching for their lost heads. Of course, that was a long time ago, and it's probably just a made-up story. But I sure hope there are no distant relatives of Captain Bell here tonight. Is it getting windy? Last time we did something like this, we gave everything a rating out of five ghosts. So from one ghost to five ghosts, how scary do you find it? I think that was like, like four. Like, especially because there was just a lot of layers of details, right? Yeah. When I was reading it the first time, I was like, there is a lot. I was like, where are we going with this? Like, why are we not talking about Broomtown anymore? Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like when there are, like, I like epistolary scary mm-hmm. stories we've we've talked about this you know like when you see like a creepypasta and stuff right yeah With, like um mm-hmm. different ent- journal entries, entries or mm-hmm. like pro- progress reports or you know mm-hmm. programming things and like yeah like getting the little little snippets like that yeah yeah i think i think i agree with you i think that's a good four ghoster mm-hmm. just because there was the whenever we have that those kind of like diary snippets mm-hmm. it gives it just sort of this verisimilitude where it feels more real where it's like uh-oh uh, yeah there's these little tiny records. Yeah. Uh oh. Could this be real? <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> all right. Tell me a story. Tell me yeah, a story. So all of my stories are from scaryforkids.com, so you can get scary a, for kids. <laughs> scary for Sasha. Scary for Sasha. So you can get like a like a idea of how scary it's gonna be. We're thinking one to two ghosts. One to two ghosts. <laughs> all right. This one is called Two Heads. <sighs> One day, a taxi driver received a call from a man who was staying in a hotel in the center of the city. Was it the manor hotel? Was his last name Bell? <laughs> what if it was? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Actually, he was staying in D.C., and he wanted to go to DCA. He wanted to go to National Airport. Uh-oh, this is a recent one. Yeah, this is a recent one. So uh, when the taxi driver arrived at the hotel... He had to wait for more than an hour for the man to come out. The man kept saying, you know, I'll be down in a minute. I'll be down in a minute. When the passenger did finally emerge from the hotel, he was carrying two large bags. Always friendly and willing to assist, the taxi driver got out and tried to help the man with his bags. To his surprise, though, the man refused and insisted on loading the bags into the trunk of the taxi by himself. Uh Uh-oh. Just then, the taxi driver noticed a horrible smell. Uh It was the stench of rotten decay, and it was coming from the bags. When he got back into the taxi, he noticed something else that was strange. The passenger seemed very nervous, and he kept looking furtively over his shoulder. The taxi driver followed the route to National Airport through D.C., you know. Out, not too far, right? But not the entire too far from here. not too far from here. But on the whole, on the way, the whole time, the suspicious passenger was just again like being just very suspicious, right? Shifty. And yeah. right after they got out of the city, the passenger asked, "Can you pull over?" Because he wanted to make a phone call. The driver obeyed and waited patiently while the passenger stepped out and you know took out his phone and was on the phone for some time. 
As he sat in the taxi, the driver could smell the terrible stench coming from the boot. The odor of decomposition was unmistakable. The nervous passenger returned and got back into the cab. And the driver looked in the rearview mirror and noticed that the passenger was eyeing him suspiciously. By the uh -oh. time they reached the airport, the passenger was even more nervous somehow and now sweating profusely. He asked the taxi driver to wait for him in the parking lot because he was worried he may have missed his plane. Then the passenger got out of the taxi and hurried off. The taxi driver sat for a few minutes when he suddenly realized that the passenger had forgotten to take his bags with him. They were still in the trunk. Uh-oh. The smell was becoming so terrible that people passing by the taxi held their noses. The driver realized that the mysterious passenger was not going to return and decided to go find out what was in the bags. Don't do that. Call the, you have to alert Metro Transit call Police. Call Metro Transit Police. They will do something because, about suspicious bags. Excuse me, is that your bag? Such small words can mean so much. Yeah. Safety is everyone's concern. So please, if you see an unattended item, tell Metro, go Transit, find Metro Transit Police. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets out of his car. And when he opens the trunk, he was almost overpowered by the terrible smell. With trembling hands, he opened the bags, and inside he found two rotting heads. A head of lettuce and a head of cauliflower. God damn it. <laughs> Especially appropriate because... As I mentioned in the off-air part of the episode, I just ate some Brussels sprouts. Yeah. And when you prepare Brussels sprouts properly, they're really delicious, but they smell like yeah. farts yeah. when you're cooking them. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Old lettuce, old cabbage. Yeah. I love it. Cauliflower. It's all, it's all stinky. I'm going to give that one and a half ghosts. <laughs> the extra half ghost is because there is a murder story that I know where I believe someone i think he was trying to be a cannibal but he killed somebody and then he put their bodies in bags and then he called a taxi and asked the taxi driver to like no help him load the and then he like got out of the car chucked the bags into like some sort of body of water or something and then like got back in the taxi and the taxi driver was like i have no questions about this interaction mm -hmm. so oh my god yeah so all this time i was like why is scary for kids telling the story <laughs> of this one cannibal jesus <laughs> No, they were vegetarian. Right. Oh, yeah. What I mean, if you're a vegetarian, that's the scariest story you've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to tell my quick one, mm -hmm. and then this is called The Keyhole. Ooh. And I included this because this did, this did give me the shivers. Oh. So. A man is staying in a hotel for the weekend. A lot of these campfire stories are set in hotels. Have you noticed that? Because hotels are the spookiest thing of all. No. <laughs> yeah, camping is the spookiest thing of all, and real people stay in hotels. hotels. <laughs> Hotel, more like no tell me to go camping. <laughs> Am I right? Well, okay, to be fair, you and I have stayed in a haunted hotel before. We have, yeah. and it was nice. It was a really nice hotel. That was a, that was a nice AF hotel, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> back in the day when we could do stuff. Right? What a time. What a time. Anyway, man is staying in a hotel for the weekend while carrying his luggage with two rotting cabbage heads in it. Just <laughs> kidding. It's just regular luggage. I don't know what vegetables are in there. <laughs> while carrying his luggage to his room, he saw a closed door with no number on it. He called the front desk to ask what the deal was with the blank room, and they told him no one was allowed in there. Because it's that a night, supply closet. <laughs> <laughs> just got a big water heater yeah. in it. That night, the man went by the room and peeked in the keyhole only to see a normal hotel room with a very pale woman lying on the bed. Mm -mm. 
disappointed. He realized, he thinks, you know, this is just another hotel room. I don't know why the front desk wasn't just honest with me. So he just returned to his room and carried on about his business. The next night, his curiosity got the better of him again, and he peers through the keyhole again. But this time, all he sees is red. Once again, he asks the front desk about the room, and finally he is told the truth. A woman was murdered in that room years ago. A woman with albinism who had white skin, white hair, and red eyes. Ah! See, that's that's what got me, because it takes a second, and then you're like, oh, fuck, she was looking at the keyhole, too. I hate it. How many ghosts? That was a five. Ooh, it's short, but it's It's short, but it... It packs a punch. When you were saying that, you know, there's, like, just, like, a, a white... You know, like figure, yeah, of a woman that reminded me of a jump scare that was in my game too. Oh Where no. I bent, I got like this weird hallucination of seeing like one of my comrades, one of my party members from the main campaign, like sure. in a white kimono and like basically being like, "You can be with me, like um, I'm here for you." I and booked us a hotel. Yeah, and you're room. just like, "Oh, we talked about funeral rituals before, and white kimono yeah. is not a great." That's not mm. good news. <laughs> All right, the next one that I've got is loosely based on an old Bulgarian folk tale about a m- group of men who go out to hunt bears. They would have been better off hunting cabbages. Seriously. I will tell you that right now. They don't fight back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time, a giant man-eating grizzly bear was terrorizing the countryside near a small village. It had been eating... I mean, if the village is super small, just move the just village. Just move the village. Let the bear be the bear. The bear is gonna... It, bear's gonna bear. Bear's gonna bear. Yeah. You're not gonna beat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it had been eating people who were traveling to and from another nearby village, and the people desperately wanted to be rid of the murderous bear. Again, bear's Why? gonna bear. You bear's move your village. You move your village. Your village is small. Just pick up and move. <laughs> One day, a group of hunters were passing through the village, and the people decided to pay them to hunt down the bear and kill it. A young boy named Yuri volunteered to go with them. The men said, okay, yeah, you can come along, because, you know, you could be useful. You know, you're a local, you know about this bear. The men tracked the bear, following its footprints all the way back to its lair high up on a rocky outcrop in the mountains. The entrance to the lair was a small tunnel that descended into the bear's den. The hunters could hear the bear growling and moving about inside the den, but they were all too large to fit in the narrow tunnel. So they decided to send the young boy inside since he was the smallest. This is a terrible plan. This is a terrible plan. They handed... It's not bear. Would you like an appetizer? appetizer? They handed a young they handed young Yuri a rifle, tied a rope around his waist, and he bravely crawled into the tunnel head first. The hunters waited for a while. But when they didn't hear any shots being fired, they began to get nervous. They shouted into the tunnel, but didn't get any reply from the Yuri. Then... Because he's being eaten like a tray of loaded potato skins. Come on! (laughs) They tugged on the rope, but Yuri did not tug back. Uh Uh-oh. Finally, they pulled and pulled on the rope until they dragged him out. But when Yuri's body emerged from the tunnel, Yuri didn't have a head. Oops. Didn't Yuri have a head? Asked one of the men. (laughs) Of course he did, replied another man. Or did he? I'm not sure. 
The men stood over the body of the young boy for a while and argued back and forth. I couldn't agree on whether Yuri or, had a head or not before he crawled into the tunnel. Then one what? man said, let's go back and ask Yuri's mother. She'll know. So the group of I hunters walked I all the way the back to the village and found Yuri's mother standing outside her house waiting for her son to return. They told her what had happened and asked, did Yuri have a head? She thought about, <laughs> thought a bit about it and said, good question. And then she thought a bit more and suddenly exclaimed, oh, he must have a head. I bought him a hat last year. Oh, my God. <laughs> Move the village. <laughs> Move the, like, I already knew you guys were stupid because you were hunting a bear when the bear is clearly going to kick your ass. And then you got dumber because you're like, let's send the tiny child down there. What could possibly happen? And then you couldn't remember if he had a head when he went in. Like, get it together, Bulgaria. My, my, oh, my God. My, my can head cannon ending for this is that. And then... <laughs> Yuri's floating head and the grizzly bear terrorized the village until the end of time. The end. I like it. I, I'm I'm pro Yuri's head and bear. Yeah. Like <laughs> the, also the, the bear wore Yuri's head as a hat. Hey. <laughs> they go, they like go down to Yuri's mom's hat, house and they find a bear sitting wearing Yuri's face. You know how like I know Eastern Market sells them because I have one that has like uh, I have an owl hat mm -hmm. where it's like a knit cap yeah, it has that looks like flaps. an owl on mm -hmm. top. Yeah, so they make hats like that that are bears. Yes. So if he wears Yuri's head, it's just the bear equivalent of when I wear my owl. Exactly. Hat. He's like, I just think the little boy's cute, and I want to wear him on my head to celebrate that. I give that point five ghosts. Yeah, I give that point five. <laughs> Mostly, I'm annoyed at that, and I want part two to be like super scary. Yeah. And it's Yuri's head and the bear seek revenge yeah. against this village of idiots if you think you um, can write a follow-up to this story please email, email gmail.com <laughs> we will read your follow-up and it is probably scarier than what we just read all right i think i do have time to do this yeah. poem so this is called the cremation of sam mcgee Ooh. by robert w service and i'm just going to read this as it was written there are strange things done in the midnight sun by the men who moil for gold the arctic trails have their secret tales that would make your blood run cold the Northern Lights have seen queer sights, but the queerest they ever did see was that night on the marge of Lake LaBarge, I cremated Sam McGee. Now Sam McGee was from Tennessee, where the cotton blooms and blows. Why he left his home in the South to roam round the pole, God only knows. He was always cold, but the land of gold seemed to hold him like a spell, though he'd often say in his homely way that he'd sooner live in hell. On a Christmas day, we were mushing our way over the Dawson Trail. Talk of your cold, through the parka's fold, it stabbed like a driven nail. If our eyes we'd close, then the lashes froze, till sometimes we couldn't see. It wasn't much fun, but the only one to whimper was Sam McGee. And that very night, as we lay packed tight in our robes beneath the snow, and the dogs were fed and the stars overhead were dancing heel and toe, he turned to me and, Cap, says he, I'll cash in this trip, I guess. And if I do, I'm asking that you won't refuse my last request. Well, he seemed so low that I couldn't say no. Then he says with a sort of moan, It's the cursed cold, and it's got right hold till I'm chilled clean through to the bone. You're t yet taint being dead, it's my awful dread of the icy grave that pains. So I want you to swear that foul or fair, you'll cremate my last remains. A pal's last need is a thing to heed, so I swore I would not fail. And we started on the streak of dawn, but God, he looked ghastly pale. He crouched on the sleigh and he raved all day of his home in Tennessee. And before nightfall, a corpse was all that was left of Sam McGee. 
There wasn't a breath in that land of death, and I hurried, horror-driven, with a corpse half-hid that I couldn't get rid because of a promise given. It was lashed to the sleigh, and it seemed to say, you may tax your brawn and brains, but you promise true, and it's up to you to cremate those last remains. Now, a promise made is a debt unpaid, and the trail has its own stern code. In the days to come, though my lips were dumb, in my heart how I cursed that load. In the long, long night, by the lone firelight, while the huskies round in a ring, howled out their woes to the homeless snows. Oh God, how I loathed that thing. And every day that quiet clay seemed to heavy and heavier grow. And on I went, though the dogs were spent and the grub was getting low. The trail was bad and I felt half mad, but I swore I would not give in. And I'd often sing to the hateful thing, and it hearkened with a grin. Till I came to the marge of Lake LaBarge, and a derelict there lay. It was jammed in the ice, but I saw in a trice it was called the Alice May. And I looked at it, and I thought a bit, and I looked at my frozen chum. Then here, said I with a sudden cry, is my crematorium. Some planks I tore from the cabin floor, and I lit the boiler fire. Some coal I found that was lying around, and I heaped the fuel higher. The flames just soared, and the furnace roared. Such a blaze you seldom see. And I burrowed a hole in the glowing coal, and I stuffed in Sam McGee. Then I made a hike, for I didn't like to hear him sizzle so. And the heavens scowled, and the huskies howled, and the wind began to blow. It was icy cold, but the hot sweat rolled down my cheeks, and I don't know why. And the greasy smoke in an inky cloak went streaking down the sky. I do not know how long in the snow I wrestled with grisly fear. But the stars came out, and they danced about, ere I ventured near. I was sick with dread, but I bravely said, I'll just take a peep inside. I guess he's cooked, and it's time I looked. Then the door I opened wide. And there sat Sam, looking cool and calm, in the heart of the furnace roar. And he wore a smile you could see a mile, and he said, Please close that door. It's fine in here, but I greatly fear you'll let in the cold and storm. Since I left Plumtree down in Tennessee, it's the first time I've been warm. And then the first verse repeats. Uh, it's so scary at the end. <laughs> right? But also you said Midnight Sun at the beginning. Yeah, I know, And I was right? like, no. I, I didn't realize it until I was reading it, and then I was like, no, no not, not again. again. The scariest like, thing of all a- is Midnight Sun. You can't escape Twilight. Mm-mm. But that's, it's a good spooky poem, mm-hmm. right? How many ghosts? Uh, five. I think about, that, oh, that, five. I would have given it three. Yeah. Four or five. Yeah, I would give it three. I like the twist at the end where he's happy and he's like, just close the door. It's warm in here. You're letting the heat out. <laughs> like, the guy was, like, really uncomfortable and scared. And that made yeah, me uncomfortable well, and scared. And then he opens the door and the guy's alive. Like He's like, hello. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know that we can say that Sam McGee is alive. Right. But that's we can like, say that Sam McGee is animated. I was going to say, that's like a... Like a, like a literary jump scare. <laughs> I was yeah. like... Mm. Yeah, like I felt like that it was coming, it was coming, it was coming. I was like bracing myself, and it still scared me. And like I think it's it's also that kind of visceral thing of like it would be hard to cremate your buddy that you were like cruising around the Arctic with looking for gold. And it's like I promised him I would do it, but I'm really uncomfortable. But I got to do it, and I'm just gonna make sure that he actually burned. And Uh, surprise, it's Sam McGee. I was thinking about how you know where the Performing Arts Center is at our college. Yep. Yeah. Apparently, before they built the parking deck there, before they built the Performing Arts Center, that there was a crematorium there. It was right across from the quad. So, like, 
it was a crematorium, like funeral home. So like students had to like wrestle with their mortality every time they walked there. Oh past my God. There. Yeah. I did not know that. And I had a class in the performing arts center, number one. And number two, we also kind of by where the performing arts center was before they tore down the theater mm-hmm. building to build the performing yeah. arts center. That used to be a turkey slaughterhouse. Yeah. So our college has a lot of like De- messed up shit, shit around that it was it. built yeah. on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was my favorite fun fact is, that I learned from one of my professors who went to JMU in like the 90s, early 2000s. And yeah. he was like, oh, yeah, there used to be like you had to acknowledge death <laughs> every time yeah. you walked campus. What I'm hearing is when it's safer to do a road trip, we should road trip down there and bring the dowsing rods and the Ouija and see what we see can, what stir, we can up. stir up. Yes. <laughs> That's what I've learned. Hell yeah. Ooh, Ooh. spooky. Um, then we'll give it five out of five ghosts. <laughs> All right, so my last story is called The Coffin. One night, a man was walking home alone. It was... Mistake. <laughs> mistake. <laughs> the end. He was, the end. He was walking home alone, it, it was a mistake, and he regretted it. It was dark and windy, and his path only took him down darker and more deserted streets, and eventually down past the local cemetery. Can I just say this is the hubris of men? Mm-hmm. Because every single woman I know would 1,000% never walk alone at night, let alone past the cemetery. All righty, hubris of men. (laughs) How like men. (laughs) How like men. (laughs) As he passed the gates, he heard a strange noise in the darkness behind him. Not daring to look back, he quickened his pace, but the bumping noise continued behind him. He stopped and finally turned to see what it was. Coming down the road behind him was a whole ass coffin standing what? on end bumping from side to side going bump 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 the man couldn't believe his eyes terrified he turned and ran into now the driving rain behind him the <laughs> coffin came faster bump 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 ahead of him there was a branch that had fallen from a tree he reached down and grabbed it as he ran by he turned and he threw it at the coffin but it just <laughs> splintered and the coffin continued chasing him for, for Faster and faster. Right? This is what you fucking get. This is what you fucking get. (laughs) Walk past a cemetery at night. You get the coffin following you. I'm alone, you idiot. (laughs) The man turned the corner onto his street and ran through his front gate, and the coffin was right behind him. The man dashed into his house, but the coffin crashed through the front door. The front of the coffin swung open, and the man glimpsed the horrible sight of a dead skeleton inside. He ran upstairs and grabbed a shotgun off the wall display. Then he took aim and blasted the coffin with both barrels, but the shots bounced harmlessly off the coffin as it continued up the stairs, just bumping oh and clumping as he climbed the, the stairs. stairs. The man, desperate and scared to death, jumped into the bathroom and locked the door, but he knew it would do no good. The coffin banged against the door, and suddenly the door exploded and the coffin came through it. In desperation, the man reached out his hand and grabbed the first thing he could reach. It was a bottle of cough syrup. He threw it at the coffin, and the coffin stopped. God damn it. I realized the second you said cough syrup, I, my brain went, wait a minute. <laughs> but it was too late for my brain to course correct. We were just zooming ahead. <laughs> oh, man, that's incredible. Yeah. I give it I give it three out of five ghosts because the beginning is genuinely upsetting. 
and the end is amazing. I give it, That's something... I give it five out of five ghosts because of the pun. <laughs> yeah, the pun is incredible. Like, if, if the ghosts are just a measure of quality, then absolutely five yeah. out of five ghosts. But if we're talking if about just scariness, a measure, yeah, it's just scary, three. Three out of five. Yeah. Five That's stars, like a good one. three ghosts. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, five stars, three ghosts. That's a good one, too, for, like, you know, all my nibblings. My oldest nibbling is five. Mm-hmm. And that's a good one for them where it's like, it's spooky in the beginning, but then at the end it's like, ha, ah. the coffin stops. So it's, it's perfect for like little kids yeah. who are, you know, weenies like me. Yeah. Obviously, if your kid likes spooky shit, then they're going to not like that because it ends in a pun. <laughs> How do you Jesus stop Christ. a coffin? Throw some you cough syrup. Grab the cough syrup. Oh, man. There was a joke I looked at when you were telling the bear one. Actually, two things. One, when you were telling the bear one, there was a joke I looked at while I was trying to find a camping joke Mm -hmm. for today that was like, what do you call a bunch of bears laughing at something or (laughs) giggling at something? And it's a bear all of laughs. (laughs) And then when you started saying that the coffin was thumping, all that I could hear in my head was the Destiny's Child song where it's like, ladies, leave your man at home. The coffin's full of ballers and their pockets full grown. And all you fellas, leave your girl with her friends because it's 1130 and the coffin's bumping. bumping. I was thinking the coffin's (laughs) full of bones. (laughs) (laughs) The coffin's full full of bones. bones. (laughs) Well, I was just thinking it's kind of like the the idea. I think it was also Beyonce, right? I sneezed on the beat and the beat got sicker. Yeah. (laughs) a bottle of cough syrup and the coffin stopped. <laughs> just, I love just, just wordplay. Wordplay's fun. Also, I hope that brought us up a little bit after the spookiness of like, I like cre- it. Crematorium. It also sets the stage perfectly for what I thought was going to be the most spoop hour story <laughs> I was, uh, campfire story I'd ever heard. But this is called the Vinder Viper. Ooh, the Vinder Viper. Vinder Viper. Many years ago, a man inherited a house from his great uncle. The house was on a hill outside of town near here, and rumors said it was haunted. But the man loved the old manor, so he decided to move in and enjoy his inheritance. Hauntings be damned. Let's be real. We're millennials. The odds of us having, like, a fucking mansion are very slim. Very slim. If you inherit a mansion and it's haunted, you just move into the mansion. You just gotta deal with it. I was gonna say, you you that's your torch to bear. (laughs) Yeah, you just go, look, ghosts, you're going to help me pay this mortgage or you're going to get the fuck out of here. And then you just let me Also, the if so. you're really there, flick the lights on a couple of times. Yeah. First of all, prove that you're there. Second of all, I'm going to need a check by the first. Yeah. <laughs> but then, late one night, the man got a phone call. When he answered, a voice on the other end said, I am the Vinder Viper. I will be there in two weeks. Mm-mm. Before he could say anything, the line went dead. The man was shaken. He even Googled Vinder Viper and other snake words to see if he could figure out what was coming for him. But there was nothing. A week went by with no word, so the man started to calm down. But then the phone rang again late one night. I am the Vinder Viper. I will be there in one week. Mm-mm. This time the man asks around town, but none of his neighbors have any idea what he's talking about. They're all like, dude, I don't know. Vipers? No, that's not something we get here. Four days later, once again, late at night, the phone rings again. I am the Vinder Viper. I will be there in two days. And then the next night, I am the Vinder Viper. I will be there tomorrow no 
the man is now terrified, understandably so. Uh-huh. The next evening, the day of the Vinder Viper arriving, another call comes in. I am the Vinder Viper. I will be there in one hour. Mm-mm. The man panics and tries to leave, only to find that his car battery is dead and his car won't no. start. So in a panic, he sprints into the house. Nearly an hour later, another call comes in. I am the Vinder Viper. I will be there in two minutes. I mean, it's very cur- courteous of him to say that he's going like, yeah, to... like, you're, it's a it's friendly like Your guy, Uber but, is rolling up in two minutes, you know? Yeah, but your Uber is very scary. <laughs> and it's and called the Vinder Viper. And it, yeah, so it might kill you. The man panics, races around the house, locking all the windows and doors, and calls 911 and explains, I've been getting these creepy calls. The person on the other end says, they're going to be here in two minutes. I'm really scared. Please send someone to help. The police are on their way, but can they get there in time? Then there was a knock at the door, Mm -mm. and the man breathes a sign of relief. It must be the police. Mm -mm. He opens the door a crack and says, is that the police? No, I am the Vinder Viper. I come every month to wash and wipe the Vinders. <laughs> the Vinder Viper. The Vinder Viper. She's a little German lady. Little, it's a little German who likes to wash windows. It's fine. The Vinder Viper, you know, they come to wash the windows. the windows. Oh my God, I'm going to wipe the windows. And what service they're calling two minutes before they arrive? That's incredible. Yeah, what service? I want a Vinder Viper. Right? I've had plumbers say they'll be here within a four-hour window and then still not show up. Yeah. Damn, this Vinder Viper, five stars, Five stars, very much on top of it. Very much on top of it. How many ghosts? Like three, two, two, three. I think this is another three, three ghosts, five stars yeah, situation. Vinder Viper. Vinder Viper. So those are some spooky campfire stories, and not so spooky yeah, campfire stories. Yeah, for the end of your summer. Yeah, maybe some of you, you are better storytellers. You can really get people to like yeah, get on edge. Really get them in. Yeah, I yeah. think the coffin one. Like you really need to like have lots of dramatic pauses and yeah, sound and effects get, and get into the like. Thump, 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 thump. There's another one I saw. And this is one that I believe my mom told us when we were little. Mm. <laughs> the Vinder Viper. Vinder Viper. I don't want to tell you what it's called because it spoils it. Oh, okay. Because it's called You're About to Be Murdered. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. It's not called that. <laughs> it's called You've Already Been Murdered by the Vinder Viper. <laughs> That's the ultimate twist. And then the Vinder Viper just kills him and cleans the windows Mm -mm. anyway. (laughs) Uh, Okay. At the end of a long, dark road is a long, dark path. At the end of the long, dark path is a lone, dark house. At the lone, dark house, there's a single, dark door. Behind the single, dark door is a long, dark hall. At the end of the long, dark hall are some tall, dark stairs. At the top of the tall, dark stairs is a long, dark balcony. At the end of the long, dark balcony is a big, dark room. In the big, dark room is a big, dark closet. In the big, dark closet is a big, dark door. Behind the big, dark door are some steep, dark stairs. At the top of the steep, dark stairs is a dark, dusty attic. In the dark, dusty attic is a big, dark chest. In the big, dark chest is a small, dark box. And in the small, dark 
box is a pink jelly bean. <laughs> as soon as you said it's called the pink jelly bean. When you got in the dark attic, I was like, ah, oh, it's Courtney's fear. Yes. <laughs> it's a man in the attic and he likes pink jelly, jelly beans. beans, but only one, and he puts them in a very series of small tiny boxes <laughs> just to make it really hard to get to the jelly bean. That's how he gets his rocks off. <laughs> yeah, he's like really into like packaging stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like Sometimes when you shop retail in Japan, yep. they like put your thing in a plastic bag and then they put they tape it closed and then they put that plastic bag in another plastic bag and they tape that closed and they put it in another plastic bag and tape it closed. <laughs> it's that but with a pink jelly bean at the middle instead of my Sylvanian families. <laughs> <laughs> I love campfire stories like Me this. Too. I'm not gonna lie. As iffy as I am about camping, I love a good campfire story. I love a, like, let's eat a s'more and tell a spooky story and somebody's going to get grabbed because they stole the golden arm. Yeah. Did you see back when Quibi was still a thing, mm-hmm. before it imploded, and blamed the pandemic? Right, because, and you know because it was a useless streaming service. It sucked, yeah. yeah. They were like, well, people just weren't watching stuff, you know, because of the pandemic. And it's like, no, that's all they the were pandemic. doing. That's literally the only thing yeah. we're doing is watching stuff. We're, we're just like, streaming. I'm someone who really only likes to watch comedy things. Mm-hmm. to escape out of my, like, life. And right. during the pandemic, I watched some dramas because yeah. I was, like, <laughs> like that Whereas desperate for I did, content. I did the opposite. I love watching, like, all kinds of content, mm. but since, like, March 2020, I've largely been sticking to either, like, reality shows like America's Next Top Model or comedies mm-hmm. with very few dramatic yeah. excursions Qu- that I have to watch with some. Quibi just was not good. Quibi just, Quibi just sucked. Yeah. But they did do, and I think you can still watch it online, starring the lady from The Talented Mrs. Maisel. Oh, yeah. They did... Who stole my golden arm? But it's this woman who like gets the golden arm and it gives her like gold poisoning, so she's dying. And the doctor's like, "We have to take your golden arm." And Mrs. Maisel looks at him and goes, "No, I love my golden arm." And then she's like lying sick oh. in a hospital bed, like, <coughs> uh, "Tell the kids I love them, but I love the golden arm more." The Fifty States of Fright from Sam Raimi. And that was one of the episodes, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you can watch it online. It's really stupid. Honestly, my mom did a better job telling it when we were around a campfire eating marshmallows. (laughs) Because she did, like, a spooky voice and there were sound effects. But it's just silly. So I highly recommend you watch it just for entertainment. I love this headline. Because I searched, who stole my golden arm, Quibi. And the headline was, Rachel Brosnahan could have won an Emmy for the golden arm. She, sh- I, I will go one step further. She should have won an Emmy because she committed. Mm-hmm. Like she's a talented lady, and we've all seen what she can do on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. She committed one thousand percent to the role of a person who would rather die than remove their prosthetic golden arm that's killing them. Amazing. It's it's really yeah. it, you you have to see it. You have to experience it. I'm not doing it justice by trying, but like she commits one thousand percent to this very silly premise. So. Yeah, if you need a campfire story, fire up the old Quibi that we all had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. So what are your favorite campfire yeah, stories? send them to us. Do we tell? Yeah, send them to mm-hmm. us. We appreciate it. Even if you don't have a story you want to share, if you just want to tell us that we told your favorite one that you liked. Like, we had a listener tell us that Rawhead was one of their favorite stories, Rawhead and Bloody Bones. Mm-hmm. Love it. Tell us that. You know, tell us if do we already cover your favorite campfire story. If we didn't, tell us. Write us an ending to the where the boy's head and the bear just like terrorize the small village and say you should have moved when you had the chance. If you have any 
spoopy ones like yeah. the cough syrup like, one or the or, pink or jelly the Vinder or the Vinder Viper. Send us those, but without any warning. Yes. <laughs> Don't tell us what we're getting into. It's very important that we go in thinking we're going to be scared. Yeah. Which is kind of how we approach life in general. We just kind of go about every our days Sunday, assuming we're going to be. I'm yeah, going like, in scared. <laughs> I mean, literally every single day I'm going into my life scared. Yeah. And I'm like, what fresh hell am I facing today? But, it's the Vinder Viper. <laughs> it's the Vinder Viper today. You know, it's a coffin that is defeated by cough syrup. <laughs> so, yeah, tell us your stuff. Email spoopar at gmail.com. You can DM us. Our DMs are open. Please don't try to get us to sell your ball creams yeah or your yeah weird yeah yeah just Just don't 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 do that tell us campfire stories instead unless you can tell us a campfire story that ends with the punchline of ball cream in which case we are very interested yeah (laughs) but otherwise have a great week it's spooky season go get a pumpkin spice latte happy or or try the apple crisp macchiato that I liked, and I said that it tasted like a Yankee candle in a good way, and then oh. everyone else in my group chat was like, the fuck, it tastes like a Yankee candle in a bad way, what's wrong with you? Oh. And I was like, so I like I thought they were going to be confused at how can something taste like a Yankee candle, but in a good way to eat, and I was like, I totally vibe with that, there are Yankee candles that I would yeah. have consumed. This, this has like a, a good, good amount of cinnamon and like that apple flavor, you know. My yeah. concern is, I don't know how I feel about apple and coffee taste. Yeah, I think that's, that's the part that's, that throws some people off. Yeah, that's the hill I yeah. have to get over. Because as we all know, I pretty much only drink peppermint mochas. Yeah. So, because peppermint and mocha and chocolate all I'll say all they good. took a risk. Yeah. And I like it, but yeah. a lot of people they don't. They their man at home, <laughs> and the coffin was full of ballers. And bones. So, you know, and bones. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for listening. The coffin is bumping, bumping. Bumping, bumping. Bumping, bumping. Was it you? Bumping. <laughs> hey, folks, how's it going? My name is Augie, and I host a podcast called The Short Stories of Augie Peterson. Once upon a time, I had two blogs. Then one day, I started listening to podcasts. They seemed like a lot of fun and would combine the thing I was always afraid to share with the world, my writing, with the thing I had no choice but to share with the world, my theater background. So I decided to combine them into a podcast for those millennials that don't have time to read two blogs. I read the original horror stories I write on Tuesdays and review really terrible horror movies with massive amounts of sass on Thursdays. On the first Saturday of each month, I tell my listeners about five new indie artists that I have interviewed that I think they should know about. So if you like dorks, horror, and indie artists, this is the podcast for you. Check out the short stories of Augie Peterson wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, check out augiepeterson.wordpress.com. Toodaloo! I'm so sorry, I have to Brussels sprout burp. (laughs) McClassy lady. Yummy. Mm. <laughs> Brussels sprouts. I had, I had the dinner of champions because uh, Jack was like, I'll cook, and then got started a little late because he was D&Ding, so uh. the chicken wasn't ready yet, but the Brussels sprouts were. So I had cookies and cream Pop-Tarts and Brussels sprouts oh, for dinner. Oh, yeah. That's like good. an adult. That's <laughs> called being in your 30s. Yeah, I was like going to say, that's adult. called I will be 32 in less than two months, baby. <laughs> I told We went to lunch with um, Jack's aunt and uncle and uh, mm-hmm. cousin... Uh, his cousin's baby turns one tomorrow, and so we, we went out for lunch today. And um, sure. I 
he, I was, I was saying like, oh yeah, we're gonna like eventually have kids, and he was like, what? Well, you guys are too young for that. I was like, we're gonna be thirty one in October, and he was like, yeah. <sighs> it's because the last like two years haven't happened, right? So, so like, like we're all kind of frozen where we were in before our March twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like newly thirty. Yeah, I'm not thirty yet. No, so you know, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Great content for the end of the episode. 